Hi, I'm Shannon Torrance, and I am a spiritual junkie. Today's conversation is with one of my mentors, Austin Wells. Austin is a psychic medium, award-winning author, soul gardener, and a grief counselor in the Los Angeles area. Austin has such a beautiful way with words, and I really enjoyed listening to her insight on what spirit has to teach us. One last thing before we get started. If you like this video, please spread the word by liking, subscribing, and sharing with like-minded friends who help support the growth of Magic is Real. Also, if you click the bell notification icon, you'll be alerted every time a new episode is up. Thank you so much and enjoy the conversation with Austin Wells. Thank you for watching Magic is Real once again. I'm here with a really special person to me. Her name is Austin Wells. She is a psychic medium and a self-proclaimed soul gardener. Um, I'm really excited because I know Austin. I've worked with her. I've had a reading with her. I've done meditation circles with her. And she just has the brightest energy, so calming, so such a beautiful energy and so much wisdom to impart. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with her today and I hope you'll enjoy it. Um, hi, <laughs> good afternoon to you. Um, I actually, so I know that on your, on your website and um, in, when you speak, you, you talk about um, being a soul gardener. And I really am interested to know more about what that means to you um, and the services that you provide, because I know that you're a psychic medium. Um, I know that you've written a book called Soul Conversations. And uh, I know that you incorporate sh uh, shamanic healing and energy healing into your work, as well as being a grief counselor. So I think this is sort of another thing that sets you apart as you are so many things. And I think it sounds like you incorporate them all into your work. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that and, and sort of how you came to that term and, and what you do. Okay. It's a deal. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having this conversation. I'm very, very grateful. I love talking about the work. I love talking about, and I love the name of your, the magic part. That's wonderful. <laughs> magic you. is something to cultivate. Um, I call myself a soul gardener because it became very evident to me very early on in my work as a medium that I wasn't having just ancestor conversations. I was having soul conversations. So the book that I wrote is called Soul Conversations because that is my passion. My passion is to allow people to understand the power that comes from having a discussion with your own soul. And we can talk about what the soul is, but as a soul gardener, my intention is to meet you exactly where you are and help you cultivate the most authentic beauty your soul can gift this world with, because it is evident to me that every single person comes here with abundant gifts to share. And they come to us or reveal themselves to us at different points in our life, but that our purpose is to share that individuality, that authenticity, and whether it's with one person or lots of people, um, it's, it, that's the, where the magic is. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you, um, based on what you know of the spirit world, 
what our purpose is. And I understand that each of us has a specific purpose, but as a collective, why are we here? I, great question, and a good one to get all juicy. Yeah. Right. Um, we are here to evolve and to grow. We are here to evolve the consciousness of the universe. I think that's the easiest way of saying it. There is a conscious decision to distill from that collective consciousness where there's a sense of unification, where we have our spiritual nature derives from and where that aspect of ourselves, when we feel that connection with grace, with God, with the infinite intelligence of the universe, that's the eternal aspect of ourselves. So half of us is eternal. And then when we decide to embody within a physical form, that's when we experience the human experience. Now, the human experience and the spiritual experience are two very different dialogues. And that's where there's a very acceptable dualism within the idea of our soul. So your soul is your human being and your spiritual being in the same place trying to coexist. And we don't want to be too spiritual we've seen what that looks like and that doesn't always work and we've also seen too human <laughs> that doesn't work either so i think within your course of your life it's finding out how do i create that balance and then once you transcend i think the initial issues that your soul came here to understand you come to a place where there's a greater peace within yourself and that's when you become available to what that service piece is that you bring to the world. Wow, that's very beautifully said. Um, I, from what I understand um, in my own studies, it sounds like when we are in spirit form on the other side, um, that we actually decide to come here as who we become when we're here um, and we sort of choose our specific challenges for a reason which i think a lot of people don't quite understand because they think well why would i choose to lose a child or why would i choose to endure a trauma um and what uh can you explain that a little bit from what you understand I agree with you. It is, it is a very, very challenging thing um, for a parent that's lost a child to see it as something that they would have chosen. Yeah. So I agree. There, there, are, there are aspects of this idea that we consciously choose to step into human form and it decide to embark upon certain pathways uh, that is a difficult one to take on board. However, in sitting with people for the amount of time that I have, um, to become aware of the patterns within an ancestor family and what it, the families are being asked to transform, it really does speak to the potential for such a greater human experience if we can just understand because what it does is it allows a spiritual conversation so for instance if you can have that awareness that things aren't happening to you they might be happening for you it gives you a different way of approaching a circumstance so our human being is always going to think that things are happening to us because we kind of have a victim consciousness within the human experience but the evolved 
and spiritual way of engaging that exact same experience is to know that there is a reason that it's happening or more importantly that there's a gift in it that will assist you in your expansion yeah that makes a lot of sense and i know it's not something you would say to anybody who's in grief unless you know how they feel if you know that they're a spiritual person and they're close enough well it's it's not something you would say but it's something i think that um that we know, but it isn't something you would say because it, it sort of seems to minimize their pain. But I do agree with you. And to that point, within my book, my um, publishers asked me because I am a grief counselor and because the nature of my work is talking about death. Yeah. Um, which is why I became a grief counselor because I thought I'm, I'm a Gemini. So I've got to figure, you know, I'm always curious about things, but I also feel that I have to have legitimacy in what I do. So um, being a grief counselor allowed me to feel that I had the right to have a legitimate conversation with someone about what they were going going through, as well as, you know, human being to human being, as well as the spiritual um, opportunity of connecting with loved ones. Um, you were just talking about what to say when somebody passes. Yeah. My, my publishers had approached me um, about writing my book, and I was so grateful for this extension. And one of the things that they were interested in was a grief chapter. And instead of my telling stories about my mediumship, which I feel that that book has so beautifully been written by a number of mediums that have amazing stories, I gave it to three moms I know that have lost their children um, to talk about what is a good thing to do when someone's going through grief and what is really not something you should do? And all of them said, don't ever tell me that this happened for a reason. Yeah. Because we, I think we think that we're, we might be comforting them, but actually that statement more comes from our discomfort about having to have a conversation and a very difficult conversation with someone about something that we would never want to have happen to ourselves. So the best thing really you can do with someone that's going through profound grief and by profound grief, I mean, they've either had multiple passings at the same time. This is called complicated grief, multiple passings at the same time. It's someone that's passed away that we would never imagine would pass like a child, like a sibling, you know, out of time in a sense. Um, the best thing really to say is I am, I'm here for you. What do you need? How can I best be of service to you? Because then they can educate you. And sometimes it's silence. Sometimes they want to talk about it. Sometimes they just want to do something else that has nothing to do with it. And other times they don't want you there. So there's, it's grief is, is not a projected trajectory that has expectations that we can anticipate. It is a moment to moment experience, especially if somebody has lost somebody that they just never thought that they would lose. Yeah. And then in your grief counseling, how is it sort of known that this person, when people come to you, um, do they come to you looking for the spiritual aspect or do they come to you simply for the grief counseling and do you decide when 
bringing in the, the spiritual aspect will be helpful or not appropriate? Or is it all, they know what you do and that's why they're coming to you specifically for grief counseling and comfort? I think most people are aware of the fact I'm a medium because I state it very clearly on my website. Um, but it part of the process of being a counselor is understanding and respecting the belief systems of the person that you're dealing with. Yeah. So there are certain people and certain religions for sure that mediumship is blasphemy. It is absolutely, or it's absolutely not possible too. And it's, it's not about changing minds. It's about meeting the person where they are. Mm -hmm. And so depending on how and where they find me, I would really say for the most part, I very rarely do just grief counseling because I think people are intrigued or curious or want the mediumship, but the connecting with the soul and spirit is just an aspect of really what the conversation is that I end up having with clients because to get messages from loved ones is amazing, but you're still left with the loss and that loss. And, and oftentimes, you know, in grief, in grief work, it isn't just death, it's loss of a job. It's a surgery that alters your lifestyle. I mean, it's the profound change that essentially mimics or demands that you really almost re have to have a rebirth, that you have to have such a major shift to adjust to something that you are you know, thrown in a different direction. So um, that kind of support, I think, and everyone's experiencing that this year. Oh yeah, definitely. We've actually along along those lines. Yeah, along those lines. Um, for anyone watching this in the future, um, these are the COVID times, and there's political unrest. There's COVID. How do you how do you see all of what's happening from a spiritual perspective? The year of 2020 has been touted by many for quite you know, for a long time to be um, a year of change or the beginning of change because we're shifting into the age of Aquarius, which has been sung about, it's been talked about as this kind of blending and collective consciousness growing into a greater sense of unity and enlightenment. Okay, so if that's the goal, we have a long way to go. <laughs> we're going to get there. So what was fascinating about this year is that years ago in a shaman class that I took, a bunch of us as shamans sat in a circle and we projected ourselves into the future to just see what information we could gather and then come back and kind of compare notes with each other. All of us went into the future, and this was a pretty good sized group. We all went into the future, and none of us could see major cities. And we just saw lots of smaller communities and a lot of green, a lot of green, but very rarely did people report back big buildings and you know huge transportation. And we all came back and went how the heck do we shift from where we are to that? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all of this started. Commercial real estate is going to be very different from now on because companies can work from home. 
you know, and in a way, I think it's a fantastic benefit for humans to cultivate the value in their life, their families, their connections with their friends. And we as human beings tend to learn by contrast. So what's happened this year is we've had this phenomenal contrast and the theme of the year is that which is unconscious will be brought to consciousness. So if that's the theme, everything that was unknown, un, it, it, things that people didn't understand, people that have been abusing power, people, you know, there's all sorts of, there's a documentary on not Netflix right now about Scientology and it's essentially saying, here is some, here's an organization that seems to have some inequities and we're just going to project. I mean, it's a collective theme right now. Yeah. So to look at things again, back to the soul that it's happening to us, we would be in that victim aspect of our human being, but to look at it from the soul perspective and say, actually, this is an evolutionary piece. We needed to have civil unrest. We needed to realize that we are juxtaposed in what we believe. So if the goal is unity, if the goal is moving forward to unite with each other, we have a long way to go and we got to get in there. Yeah, I, I definitely have felt that feeling of things fall apart so better things can fall together. And also just sort of teaching us how we are running this rat race. And I know I was just working, going, moving, like always having to be somewhere and do something. And I think mm -hmm. there's really something too. yes, we need social interaction, but there is something to getting to work from home, being with your spouse more, you know, my spouse is home now. And it's like, we've bonded more than we ever have in the eight years of our relationship, because we have to sort of work together as a team to share space. And so many things that I think we can learn from this without minimizing what people are going through and the fear and the, and the anxiety, I think the gift in it is let's all slow down for a minute, like slow down and reevaluate where we're at. So I really appreciate that perspective. And actually kind of going back, I want to know whatever you're willing to share about you, because I would love to know how, what led you down this path? I mean, from, you know, was this something that started in childhood and you were, or did you cultivate it because of an interest? Was it something that came naturally and it just sort of, I'd love to hear your evolution from how you get, how you got to where you are now doing what you do. Um, I was so fortunate because it started early for me. So when I was five years old, um, my mom was absolutely beautiful. She was part of the Junior League of San Francisco and there was a fashion show and I was going to be a bridesmaid. And um, as was that time, the, the bridesmaid's outfit had so much tool, I couldn't see my feet. And um, I've always been a little clumsy. <laughs> so for some reason I was, and I had to walk upstairs, I couldn't see my feet. And so I was very nervous about this event. I wanted it to go well for my mom. And um, I woke up in the middle of the night, the night before the runway show, and I was terrified, <laughs> but I decided, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, not to wake up my mom. So I did the only thing I could think of, which was pray. So I just said, oh God, you know, one of those, oh God, please help me prayers, you know, that one. So um, all of a sudden the walls of my room started to undulate, almost like morph. 
And from all of the walls in my bedroom, these people emerged. They were, I could see through them, but there was still enough of a silhouette that I could make out that they were people. And I didn't know any of them. And I wasn't scared at all. There were probably 30 or 40 people from what I you know, can recall. And um, I just immediately felt comforted and I felt like I had this family and it was this amazing feeling, but this one woman came up to me and she didn't speak in language. She intuited. So it was like the energy of just thought exchange, which is spirit communication. And she gave me this impression that they were all there to focus on me, which felt very nice. And that what could they do to help? And I just, you know, told her back and thought, I'm terrified about tomorrow. So my room morphed from the bedroom to a, a, um, a joined, uh, sorry, a joined um, um, alternate reality. So I looked over and I was seeing the runway of the next day. And they played out the entire scenario of what was going to happen. So what ended up happening was I watched myself lift up my dress, still not be able to see my shoes, and stumble up the stairs. I got up there. So that was the part I was worried about. So I got to watch that. And then I watched myself start to get excited because this was kind of fun now. But then they had me shift out from my own fear to feel the support that was around me, more or less to connect with all of these parents and people that were watching the runway show and feel how they felt about watching me and all I felt was love. And then they had me expand even further from all of the people in the um, audience to the energy of the room, which was so filled with love. And immediately I thought, well, God, there's, there's no way I can fail. Like, this is all good news. So the minute I knew that the alternate reality dissipated, I was back in my bed with this woman that was talking to me and the rest of the people had kind of left. There were a couple people still there and she checked in with me and, you know, like, are you okay, kid? And I was like, yeah, I think I'm good. And then I just went back to sleep. So that moment was huge for me because I was aware of the fact that one, prayers get answered. Two, there's a 24 seven available support line when you really need them if the human beings aren't the people that you can reach out to. And that love is really powerful. That is so beautiful. So, when the next day, did you think about it? Did you talk about it? Or did you just sort of accept it because you were young? You know, I don't really know. I think I may have tried to impart what happened, but I think, due respect, I mean, I loved my mom and my dad so much. They're both in spirit now. And I, I just, I mean, I adored them. But I, I think I was kind of an oddity in our family. I was, I was, there weren't, you know, I don't come from a family of mediums. I don't come from, you know, so I think they just thought it was my imagination. Mm -hmm. We at that point, a lot of parents, you know, thankfully, a lot of parents now watch things about mediums on TV, so they're excited when their kids have a memory like that. But yeah, uh, yeah I just think they thought it was my imagination. And after that, did this happen more and more? Or was it one of those things where you, for instance, when I was young, I, I had, I was going to sleep 
and all of a sudden a big blue orb appeared. I mean, I wasn't asleep. I turned the light off and right as I turned the light off, this big gigantic turquoise neon ball appeared and just, it was like Tinkerbell. It kind of looked at me. It was a little ball. It didn't have a face, but it looked at me with curiosity. It zipped, it hovered, it zipped across the room, zipped back. And then I screamed just because I didn't know what it was. And yeah. it zipped straight up in the air. And I screamed for my mom and she's like, it's just your imagination. She also actually is, has, she has more, actually more of a gift than I do. And um, so, but I think she didn't want to, you know, scare me or thought it was a, a trick of the eye. And so, and that was it. That was my only experience until I was an adult, mm -hmm. which actually I think was shown to me as sort of a callback because uh, to sort of remind me that if, if this isn't real, then what was that? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But did you sort of continue having experiences and then say, oh, this is what I am. This is what I do. Or did you say, hmm, I'm interested now to find out what that's all about and study? So I know some people are born mediums. It kind of, it sounds like you, you were um, in, in terms of having the brain, uh, the brain makeup to be able to do that. And then some people like me, who's studying to do it and learning to do it, but it's slow going because it's not my natural um, strength. What, what was your experience? Or let me reframe what you just said. Everybody has, because if, if, our, if our reality is that we're all spiritual beings. It's just something we've forgotten. So it isn't something that's not a strength of yours. It's just, it hasn't been like a muscle you've relied on. So all you're doing is creating that record, that remembering. And that hap that's why some, suddenly something will happen and someone immediately is intuitive. Or they, sometimes it's, it's, um, puberty, sometimes it's menopause because the pineal and the pituitary glands are part of the intuitive mechanism. So, um, you know, it depends on what that is, but I just wanted to reframe that because I think it's, it's a lovely, I've never really called it like a gift or something. I think it's a perception and it's, to me, it's more of reminding myself of what's really true. I've just gone to the gym a little bit longer. So that, mm -hmm. that muscle is a little stronger for me. But what ended up happening was um, I, I realized, I think I got very into praying because I, I realized that it worked for me. So if people said someone wasn't feeling well or they were sick, I just automatically was like, okay, guys, you know, let's go over there and let's take care of them. So it was, and my grandmother, my dad's mom was very spiritual. She was awesome. Um, your mom's mom was also very spiritual, correct? My, um, no, she was actually, I was trying to convince her. Okay. Um, of this, of this, not convince, but. Okay. Give her some comfort when she was passing. Okay. Because the whole time you were talking about that orb, for some reason, your mom's mom's soul pulled forward. So I just want you to know that if you were trying to have a conversation with her, she's still listening. Yeah, she's probably, I, I said, you'll see. She's like, I'll flick it. She goes, I'll flick of the lights. But she, she was like, I don't believe it. But I said, you'll see. You'll see. She was, she was dying slowly. And so I just, I was trying to give her comfort. I was like, very I'm telling sweet. you, it's going to be great. Yeah, very, very sweet. Yeah. Very, very sweet. 
Yeah. I love your cat, by the way. Thank you. He's a little intrusive, but that's just Buster. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Buster. Very sweet. Um, so really, I think the the benefit of what happened for me is, is that I didn't, it may not have necessarily been encouraged, but I just always was interested in things. And then um, reading books and then my first boyfriend's mom was wonderfully just, she was she was my metaphysical mom. She was a Rosicrucian. She read tarot cards. She was like, she was so cool. And this little teeny peanut of a gal, I just adored her. And um, so she was the first one that introduced me to tarot cards and I loved tarot cards. So then that was the first mechanism. I think that I, I was working with my intuition on a regular basis. And then I started working for party planners and then I did events all over Los Angeles. Then I got hired by Toyota years later to um, be the voice of an intuitive car, one of the coolest jobs I've ever had. And so they had this car that was rigged so I was in a separate box, but my voice came in through the car and I had, there were cameras in the car so I could see what was happening. So people would get in the car, the fortune telling car, and they would pick a tarot card and then I'd do a reading for them. And I would read just because you would understand this. Yeah. I'd read 150 people a day. Wow. Little snort, short snippet readings, but the thing was that was awesome about it, and it was like being in a spiritualist cabinet because I was in this little teeny black box. So it 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 really created this dynamic blending with the spirit world. But that's when the spirit world and I really started working together because I could feel their presence when they would come forward to talk to me. So then I started understanding, okay, when I feel an energy over here, that's a man. When I feel the energy over here, it's a woman. And then it got much more compartmentalized and then I could really sense and understand who was talking to me. But that was the beginning of a really great conversation. Through doing that, through doing uh, tarot, yeah. Mm. Well, I, I was kind of off of the cards, but but Toyota wanted to have a mechanism that somebody could make a make a jumping point from. She's starting to say something about me, uh -huh. and I also cross marketed it. This is a little funny thing. Um, I took all the tarot cards and ascribed it to attributes of their car. So I could do a sales technique at the same time as read their tarot card. And they kind of liked that. That was why mm -hmm. I got the job because they, they appreciated my, my sense of um, salesmanship. It was subtle, but you know. Genius. It's marketing genius. And you actually have your own deck that you've created. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I have actually I have two decks that I've created. Um, and I'm very proud to say that the Arthur Finland college in, England, due to a very fantastic friend of mine, um, it carries both of my cards. And it, you know, for someone who who does great art, maybe the Met would be someplace that they'd like to have their art. As far as a medium, to have cards that are for mediums, having them at the Arthur Finlay College, it's it's like on that line of like, wow. But uh, I have a deck of cards called the Divine. Sp cards those ones help people either work as mediums and increase their mediumship or they also work with grief counselors to help having spirited conversations with their clients that help them process the death of the person that they have lost oh, so 
cards are really cool. And then the other ones I have are the divine insight cards. And those ones are helping people to build their, their intuition. That's great. I actually just started to get into tarot. I used to think that's not real. Didn't understand at the time that the reason it's real is because spirit has a way of being able to manipulate energy uh, situations. Not that we don't have free will, but that they can, if you say, show me a sign, they can manipulate a song on the radio. And, and I just always thought, well, what, how did, what is this tarot thing? It doesn't make any sense. Now I understand all it is, is you're asking your spirits, your spirit guides, your angels, God, show me what you want me to hear today. And it's amazing how whenever I do a card pull, because as, as I'm learning the cards, it's mm. always relevant. It's always exactly what I need to hear that day. And I think it's so interesting that it's hard to explain to someone who doesn't, who wouldn't, who wouldn't believe in it, but I remember my mom once saying, we don't have to know how they, the reality there is different than it is here. It's just, it's not within our paradigm to understand how it works. It just does. So I think that's, a, I, I use them as a crutch too. I think it's really interesting to, you know, if I'm doing a, a reading or something like that is, okay, I'm not necessarily confident yet as I'm uh, a sort of green at this. So let's start with a card. And that sort of seems to launch into something greater, which I think is really interesting as well. Tools and techniques are really helpful. Sometimes people don't understand how you can get information without having it. So it's a bridge of trust. But the beautiful thing about the tarot, especially the major arcana, that's what I use primarily, is that each one of those cards are evolutionary pieces of our soul. So they can give you such an amazing um, inroad into exactly what's happening with the person, what kind of a of where they are in their life, what needs to happen. But then the other part of it, as far as mediumship goes, is the tarot, especially if you use, you know, Rider Waite or the traditional decks, they're filled with symbology that our soul understands. So you're building a vocabulary, a visual vocabulary in your mind so the t so the universe can use that as different ways of giving you information so as you get to know the cards you're, it's such a good idea that you're doing this as you get to know the cards then you'll see images or aspects of a card and it's really great to have your own personal relationship with the tarot deck because what the card symbolizes for you um, will be slightly different than the traditional meaning which is why I always encourage people when they're getting a tarot deck, don't read the book. Yeah. To know, get to know it. So we did, we, in my, one of the classes that I was teaching recently, we took the cards for the year 2020. And I said, let's see what the tarot, let's see what the tarot knew about this year. And the two cards for 2020 are judgment and the emperor. How? So judgment is people coming out of the unconscious and rising up and reaching for a greater truth. Yeah. And the emperor is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's people in power and how they handle power. Right. And those, those themes, huge for this year, huge in small ways and large ways. And, you know, it's just in personal issues and larger global issues. Yeah. So it was, 
we all kind of sat back and went, wow, huh, you know, because it's yeah. just it's fantastic when you see how they work. But yeah, it's terrible. so specific. It's, it's, it really is so specific and it's, it, it blows my mind. I now have a bunch of decks, so I'll have to get yours too. I'm excited to get it. Um, uh, and then also you, how, sort of what brought you into the world of shamanism and what exactly is shamanism? How do you describe that? Great question. That's a really, really, really great question because a lot of people talk about it, but they don't ask what it is. We are very influenced by Judeo-Christian beliefs. So most of us were raised with this idea that God is outside of us and that heaven is a distant location and that there's nothing that's present. It's not a present heaven, it's a distant heaven. Um, and since a lot of organized religions have also had man's kind of imprint on it. Um, there's varying beliefs. And again, here we get to dissenting opinions about whose God is correct and whose theory of this is correct. And God love humans. Okay. Shamanism is returning to the idea of God not being infinite intelligence, not being outside of us, but being within us and around us. And I think great religions really come to this idea of that greater, that power greater than yourself existing within yourself. And then it becomes you in action. You know, that's, I think, when it works really well for people. So shamanism is how the, our, our ancestors who lived off the land, whether it was the Indians or just tribes or, you know, these cultures that existed that didn't have a imposed religion upon them found what was sacred within nature so shamanism is such a perfect at least for me was so mandatory because i was always looking up for guidance instead of looking within my environment for it so really what it gave me was this magnificent return to nature and this stunning awareness of everything is communicating. So if everything is communicating and I already know that spirit communicates, then why wouldn't spirit use the natural world to communicate as much as the supernatural world? So it, it opened up animal communication to me. Um, that's when animals, I really started having deeper conversations with animals and understanding their place in our evolution. Um, and it, it's phenomenal. Plus it also gave me this instinct or this, this insight into the power of ceremony when we can, in a sense, step outside of time. We're not in the human being, but we have a bridge to a spiritual um, availability where we can just be in sacred space and quiet, whether it's in a candlelight ceremony or fire ceremony, a water ceremony, but that part of our limbic brain really um, is, is it, that's part of all of our ancestry. And there's a very powerful thing that happens when people connect to that energy. So I love the shamanic addition to my work. Thank you. That's so fascinating. I'm actually reading the book, The Secret Life of Plants right now, which is really, I mean, it's long, it's interesting. 
about how plants are able to pick up on our feelings. They're able to feel emotional pain. They're, it's, and they study it scientifically and they show that there's something else going on with plants. Yeah. Whether it's they have, I mean, I believe all things have a soul, but um, you know, actually another question about that, and I don't know that any of us maybe have the answer entirely, but I'm always interested in this. Okay, dogs, cats, pets, and horses, they have souls. So they're, they're here and we can often connect with them on the other side through a medium or through ourselves, through signs. What about bugs? What's the, why are the, what's the, going on with bugs? Why? It's so funny. I, I the hardest times, I love, you're hilarious. Our, <laughs> our minds are frighteningly similar. Yeah. I'm, I'm the gal that's going to, take the moth out of the water and oh. try to it someplace. Um, 100%. The one, there's a couple of like pockets of beings that I have a really hard time with ants. I have a very hard time finding the grace and harmony when there are ants all over the kitchen. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, so I started a little ritual and that is when I'm um, releasing their souls, I'm like, back to God, back to God, back to God, back to God. I do it too. It's the only thing I could do to like kind of um, step out of my own worry and concern. So then I started thinking, well, then what's going to happen when I die? And I thought maybe it's going to be like the psycho scene and I'm going to have to go through all the ants that I killed. <laughs> these like very, very, very short lives, you know, and then I was, that's ridiculous. That's not going to be the case. But um, I think everything, I think there, there is a grander nature. That's the thing that's amazing about nature is that there's, all these interrelations and it's such a delicate balance that by our actions and witnessing the eradication of certain animals and certain uh, genus and species of the animals um, that we're really creating imbalance just by our own ignorance. So to say that this has it and that doesn't, I think, I think that's very, I, I'm I'm content not knowing the answer to that greater question because um, I think to have the awareness that everything around you is part of you is important. Yeah, and I actually did have that thought as I had to kill a bunch of ants recently. I was I didn't want to spray them with a toxic. I just no, and then I kept saying it, was, it wasn't back to God, but it was something like they're going back. They're like. P, the, the, it's going to be fast. They're going to go back to back. So I don't have to feel bad about making them suffer. But I, th because I think they are part of energy. I don't, I don't, they, they can't reason the way that we can, but there's, there's, there's energy there. I thought there well, absolutely is energy. Yeah. And you actually bring up a good point about animals that I'll just fold in. Yeah. The fun part about shamanism also is was connecting with the animals, not just on an ancestor level or, you know, a soul connection level that way, was shape-shifting into animals and spending time within a frame that does not know fear. Because since they really live from that primal aspect of themselves, they're void of the emotions that interrupt our forward motion. Mm. So giving, uh, using it as a tool and technique, you know, and because I've studied with a, a bunch of different energy medicine schools, but I really appreciated the shamanic training 
because when you have a person that's phobic and you allow them to shape shift and experience what it's like to walk around like a Bengal tiger or something like that, they, they are void of that very thing that seems crippling to them. So then you have to say to them, but you could shift out of the awareness of it and understand the difference. So what would it feel like to try to exercise that exact same simplicity when you have a sensation of fear and see if you can't just feel the opposite also. So it doesn't cripple you. It's just, I'm choosing this. So this is how I feel when I do that. And if I make a different choice, then I feel this way. So animals, the the power and teaching of animals is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, that's, that's very deep. Um, and, uh, you know, I have a question about when you personally, I know everybody who is a medium sort of has different ways of, uh, knowing that they're hearing from spirit. And, um, you know, we talk about the Claire's so clairvoyance is seeing clairaudience is hearing and that sort of thing. Everybody's has different strengths in the, in that area. Did you, well, first of all, did you sort of uh, study and practice and meditate to try to hone that? Did it come to you naturally um, all the time? And when you're, re- when you're connecting with spirit, um, how do you, well, I know that you can consciously say, okay, I'm ready to work with you now. And that's, you can also say, I set boundaries. So I don't want to, he- you know, well, while I'm hanging out at a party, I don't necessarily want to hear from spirit or I do. Um, what would you say, like, for instance, when I'm even though I'm just starting out, I've, I've gotten to the point now where when I'm connecting with spirit, I feel those little head tinglers that people gave each other for, for the holidays years ago, where it's like you, you put it on your head and it feels like this. I get that feeling when spirit is near and it's always in like the back of my head or right here or down my arm, down my legs. And it's strong and it's not the same as a emotional chill where it's just like, oh, I feel good. It's like, oh no, something's touching my skin and crawling down it. Um, and I haven't gotten to the point, I think I'm, my clairvoyance is stronger, but for you, when you're reading a client, for example, um, do you do a ritual and say, I now call spirit in, or for you, do you sit in front and it just starts to come? And the second part of the question is what clairs do you find are the strongest for you? And what do they feel like? I guess the sensations, what, what sensations do you feel so that you know it's coming from spirit and not your own brain? Great question. Great question. Um, I have to shift from my human being to my spiritual being. You don't, you don't want human being Austin to do your reading, (laughs) especially if Austin's having a day, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm as like anybody else. So in order for me to feel that I have the right to be available, to be of service to someone, I have to be in an open space where the space of my mind is like an open field. And then I can allow someone to blend with my soul and I can authenticate and animate their experience and feelings and soul to the person with whom I'm reading. 
I try very hard not to read out of context. Um, when you're first beginning, you're just so darn excited. It's happening. You kind of want to like read everybody. Mm -hmm. That's very normal. However, it's kind of inappropriate because like I mentioned earlier, you know, there are people who it's very offensive to. Mm -hmm. And if we're reading out of context, that's much more about us than about them. So then I question the, whether we're in service or not. Um, I think you always have to ask for permission. You always have to ask for permission. That is, that's a non-negotiable. You don't go up to someone and start reading them. We've witnessed this in television shows yeah. for the dramatic sense, and I don't fault them at all because they've also signed a non-disclaimer by the time that they're in front of camera. So that moment actually isn't the moment that it looks like, but <clears throat> it's rude. Yeah. Don't go up to someone and do that. So I always work in sacred space and I always ask permission before I say something, even if it's somebody that I've worked with before. I don't know where they are that day, um, but it's, I respect the work. I have too much. I'm so grateful for it that I would never want to appear that I was taking it for granted and I wasn't realizing the gravitas that I have, the gravity of the work if I didn't do that. When I work, and I've learned this by teaching mediumship. Um, we're really never just one soul sense. We're not just feeling spirit. We're not just hearing spirit. We're not just seeing, smelling, tasting, touching. There's always two going on at the same time. So most of the time, if you really, really, really break down your mediumship, you'll notice you're feeling and seeing at the same time. You're hearing and seeing at the same time. So generally the big, the big soul senses are feeling hearing and seeing and knowing i'll do four so we'll say those four the tasting the touching and the smelling those tend to be like kind of add-ons they're kind of like aperitifs to the uh, side dishes to the other main ones but it's also i think mandatory for a medium to realize what their what their skill set is and to hone that but not rely on it too much because the more you can allow all of the senses to evolve and work for you, the better it can be. Mm -hmm. But the spirit world's funny. Some, everybody wants to see, everybody wants to see spirit. Two kinds of seeing, subjective and objective. Subjective is when you have the vision of a spirit in your mind, it kind of plays out like a movie or you see bits and pieces of something right? But it's an internalization. So that's subjective. When it's objective, it means like, this is a person standing right here. I'm seeing them as clear as day. So objective is you're seeing them as an object, as a physical human being. There are very, very, very few mediums in the world that are objective mediums where they're, they're seeing that soul so profoundly. So in that awareness, um, if you see, you can get super lazy as a medium because you can pick up a heck of a lot of information by seeing. But what happens to a lot of mediums is the spirit world like needs people. So they're like, oh, look, you can see. And then you go, oh my God, I'm gonna be a medium. And then they're like, yeah, we're gonna put that one away for about three years. So yeah. work on the other things and learn to trust us because if we give you it all at once. So I love the process of mediumship, but it's not, you do not become a medium by taking a weekend class. No. You become a medium by committing to this as a full-time job. 
and I'm still learning. I will never know everything. No way. So yes, I've studied going back to your original question. Yeah. I've studied and I've, I've learned remote viewing. I've worked, you know, I've been to the Arthur Finley college. I loved it there when I was there. I thought it was really phenomenal. I helped bring some of the Arthur Finley college, um, tutors to the United States. Chris Drew is one that I brought initially to the U S and then that started this really beautiful new dialogue of Arthur Finley college, um, teachers coming to the United States and the world, which is just awesome. You know, I'm so glad that that, that was what was happening. Um, but I think I, my mind is one, I have to be like, I have to be certified as a grief counselor. I have to be a hypnotherapist because if I'm going to do that, I have to understand that. So I have lots of certifications and I'll keep adding them. Yeah. Being massive trauma now. I'm, that's another one that I've been working on recently, just because what I do is I look at the clients that show up and all of a sudden they'll think, God, I really should add that because that's not a need I can meet yet. But not all mediums are like me, but mm -hmm. that I call myself a soul gardener because it's all of those different things kind of combined in one. But that's what I love about the work itself is that it has so many applications. It can heal grief. It can, uh, it can just sort of give us, the reason I named this channel Magic is Real is that it just makes every day, when I, when I started delving into spirituality and it was the typical having a spiritual awakening thing where I had a dark night of the soul and um, I'm a voice actor and I developed a vocal disorder and I just plummeted into despair and, and couldn't work for a really long time, still sort of struggling a little bit, but healing. But it was the best, like you said, I always think the, sometimes the things that happen aren't the best thing. Sometimes the worst things that happen to you are the best things for you. And what that did was it, forced me to start to sort of delve into spirituality to cope and then it opened up like a flower and and it's all and it's all been so eye-opening but also every single day now I wake up excited because I'm like this is magical like look look what we get to we don't know what's in store today what messages we're going to receive what synchronicities are going to happen and i always look forward to what messages is spirit going to bring through today to validate that this is all magical we take it for granted because yeah. we look around and we're like oh computers oh big buildings that people pyramids that people built and well humans are smart but it's like but it's so much more than that it's like the way babies are made and the way the sky the universe works it's like we just are like oh yeah there's the moon we don't it's so astounding the stuff that happens and when you look at every day as a magical gift even when things aren't so great it's exciting to me and it's it's opened up a whole new world so um and a community a community of wonderful people like you and who are doing such good work and healing people's hearts and offering them hope and showing them that there is more to life so don't things can be life is hard it's really difficult but when you can see that there is a purpose to it and there is a reason for it and i i'm here to attest it's easy to say when things are going well but when things are going poorly or you lose somebody or you lose your uh, or or you have a life altering illness or whatever it is um it's hard to maintain that faith but the but the beauty is trying to crawl out of it and find 
okay, I know this is happening because there's a reason. There's some sort of evolution happening. So it's exciting to me. And it's, it's, it really just makes every day that much more interesting and exciting. And also makes it easier to let things roll off your back, I think, and to say, I'm not participating in this today. Like, like this, this energy is a dark energy and I am not going to participate. I choose to remember that I am a soul and I'm not going to up, get wrapped up in this drama. <laughs> That's been very helpful as well. Yeah, it's, ni it's nice when you can get to the point where you remind yourself that the free will can be not to ignore what's happening, but just not to participate in it. Yeah. And well, that, that really is that wisdom piece that the infinite aspect of our soul, that immortal part of our soul can offer because that part of us can be objective to things, but that, that takes practice. Mm -hmm. So you only get better at things by trial. So wouldn't we look then at life as a series of exercises to give us choices to evolve? and circumstances to learn how to respond to. And oftentimes people say, well, I keep having the same experience. Well, it's still teaching you something. Yeah. Well, something, those people that you attract are still tell, helping you learn to have a voice for yourself or they're, they're learning, they're teaching you how to have better boundaries for yourself. Yeah. In that context, it does give you such a great sense of, awareness but i agree with you i think i think life is so magical mm -hmm. and when you really align with your purpose which i think both you and i are very blessed to have awareness of yeah it just it just makes it there there's a balance because then there's something that you're really living for and the what does happen with change what happens with death what happens with climactic experiences is we lose an aspect of ourselves it will almost feel like a little death in a way but that loss of self oftentimes makes room for a new aspect of our soul to evolve and for us to step into a different part of ourselves and that to me is just glorious to witness that is so that is such a beautiful place for us to end this conversation. And I want to thank you so much, Austin, for your time and your energy and all your support. And I'm going to, uh, there will be a link below where you can find Austin, but tell us anything else you'd like us to know. What's your website? Um, anything else you'd like, you'd like to, to, uh, to tell us about before we go? Certainly. You can find me on the web at austinwells.com. Austin spelled with a Y. So it's A-U-S-T-Y-N-W-E-L-L-S. -L -L I'm on social media and I train mediums, but I work with the individuals. I also have a lovely membership program. So if you enjoy my energy and want to work with me more, there's different ways that you can. And I also love teaching tarot. Love it, love it, love it. So I have a different offerings because I like to keep it interesting. <laughs> I can attest to the fact that Austin's classes are wonderful. I have personally taken them and I highly, highly recommend them. So um, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. I'm so happy to know you and I really appreciate all your insight. I feel like I could listen to you speak for 20 more hours, but I think you probably get a little parched and tired. So um, thank you again, Austin appreciate it and 
blessings to you during this crazy time. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. My absolute pleasure. Thank you again.